You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. for small groups, 10 a.m. for worship, or anytime at asburybosier.org. Good morning. I want to uh, start off this morning just by reading the text, and then we'll go from there. This is Jesus in Matthew 6. He says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your span of life? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Um, I have a confession to make. I have an irrational fear of birds. Uh, they are creatures, their domain is the air up here. My domain is the ground. So whenever they're in their element, they have an advantage. Uh, this applies to any animal that is in a different ecosystem than me. If I'm at the ocean, if a shark brushes my leg, of course I'm panicking. But that also applies to like hermit crabs and any kind of fish that touches my leg. If I can't see, like, I'm in its domain. I'm afraid of anything in the water when I'm in the water. If I met a shark in the street, I'd feel okay about my chances, right? So anything that's in its element and I'm out of my element, I'm afraid of. I am afraid of birds. Also was attacked by a blue jay as a kid that might have something to do with it. But here's the deal. The feeling is mutual. Birds are also afraid of me. I've seen my five-year-old sprint towards a flock of pigeons. They didn't stand their ground. They flew away. They were afraid too. So when I read this passage from Jesus, and he says, look at the birds. They're not freaking out. I call, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I've seen birds freak out. And if they're not worried about what they're going to eat, why are they always getting there early? Right? Birds are freaking out just like the rest of us. I'm afraid of birds. They're afraid of me. It's okay. We've, we, figured, we figured out a system. Make it work. So I'm being silly here a little bit, of course, but when, when Jesus says, do not worry, it's like one of the most challenging passages in, in the Bible for me. Because it's like, hey, just, just don't worry about it. It's like, okay. <laughs> it's a lot easier said than done. And when we look at our culture now in America, like anxiety is the most common mental health disorder or challenge in our country. The, the National Institute of Mental Health says that 31.2% of Americans have symptoms that are related to anxiety disorders. That means one in three, that, and that's, that, that, that's us in this room too. One in three of us, uh, at least, struggle with anxiety. I actually don't know the correlation between those who are religious or not and anxiety. That actually would be an interesting study. Do people who are religious have more anxiety or less? Does that depend on their view of God? That's a whole other thing. That's not really the point of the sermon, but that's interesting. Anxiety is the most common mental health issue in America. 31.2% of us struggle with it at a disorder level. 
Uh, it's a huge thing. And there are a few reasons why that might be true now uh, in, in, in our current age than in before. A part of it is like instant access to every tragedy the world has to offer is constantly being thrown at us. My wife and I were at Don's Noodle Garden last night. Uh, it's in Shreveport. If you like good food, you should go there. It's awesome. But they have a giant screen TV, and that was like the, the big TV was like the news channel mix. So it was nine different news channels at once on one screen, and Ashley was facing me. I was, the TV was behind her, and I'm just like, we're having dinner. I'm like, I'm getting anxious, because there's like nine feeds at once coming at me with all the stuff going on in the world. I'm like, oh my God, I had no idea. We are more anxious than ever because we have access to all this, this news of bad stuff happening everywhere. We've also, with technology, become way more efficient. We have cars. We can drive from point A to point B. Like we, can, we can accomplish a lot from the, uh, the convenience of our computers. Technology has made life way more efficient. But with that efficiency, we just compound more things. Like We just fill our schedule with more stuff, and then eventually we get overwhelmed, and that creates a sense of anxiety. So anxiety is the, the, the biggest challenge for mental health in our country right now, and there's a few reasons for that. Uh, but as we move on, I just want to, I want to get, kind of give a working definition of what anxiety is. Uh, I want to look at a few angles of what are some symptoms and then how can we address it. So let's start off with what is anxiety? Now, the, the word Jesus uses here in Matthew 6, 6, he says, do not worry. And the word worry here is the Greek word, I'm not even going to be able to pronounce it, marim now, I don't know. It's, you can see it up there. It's that word. It means to be distracted or to be pulled apart or to be pulled in many directions. And we think about worry or anxiety, that makes sense because our mind is being pulled into the future and we're being stretched from the present into the future. So to, to worry means to be stretched, to be pulled apart, to be distracted. And when your life is pulled into worry about the future, you're unable to pay attention to the kingdom of God at work in the present. So when Jesus says, do not worry, he says, do not be pulled into the stress of the future. Now, our word for anxiety now, 2,000 years later, is our definition for anxiety is similar. And anxiety here means excessive worry about a possible future. Anxiety is excessive worry about a possible future. Now, there's some things that are like not excessive, like reasonable to be worried about or to be anxious about. So, but anxiety is excessive worry about a possible future. And I want to underline or emphasize the word possible here because a lot of times the things that we become anxious about are things that will never actually come into fruition. They'll never actually happen. But we spend a lot of time in our present worrying about something in the future that will never happen or is very uh, unlikely to happen. So anxiety is excessive worry about a possible future. It robs us of our present energy and mental space, and we're worried about something that may never even happen to begin with. Uh, so one question is, are anxiety and fear the same thing? And I would say anxiety and fear are related, uh, but fear is present-based, and it's reality-based. It's focused on real threats, typically. Anxiety is future-focused. It's, it's on possible threats. So one example for that would be, if you're in the woods hiking and you come across a grizzly bear and you start to freak out, that's fear and that's perfectly reasonable because a grizzly bear can mess you up. Now what's important in that moment is when you're afraid, which is a reasonable response, is what do you do with that fear? Some people collapse, right? Some people freak out, 
Uh, and it's good in that moment. I know there's, there's two different types of bears and one bear you need to run from and one bear you need to not run from. One thing is for sure, I need to know, I need to learn that, which one's which. And then in the moment when fear hits, you need to know which one it is and you need to react appropriately. Like fear brings clarity and focus. Like it's a survival tactic. It's in us. We need it to survive, right? It's helpful. But fear is present focused. The bear is literally yards from me and I'm, I'm afraid. And that is a reasonable, rational, and potentially helpful response. Anxiety though would be knowing you're going camping four weeks from now and there's maybe very little chance of bears even being in the woods because you're maybe in Louisiana and grizzlies aren't common here, I don't think. I have to look that up too. Uh, but you're going camping four weeks from now, but you're losing sleep night after night leading up to that trip because you're worried about the possibility of possibly seeing a bear, even though the odds might be very small. So anxiety is worried about a future possibility where fear is focused on a very real present. That's the dis- distinction. Um, I hope that's helpful. Here's a, here's a way I, I like to think about it. Fear is about what is, and anxiety is about what if. Fear is about what is, anxiety is about what if. All right, so what are some of the, the symptoms of anxiety? What does anxiety look like in a day-to-day life in an individual person? Uh, anxiety can, can attack us, I guess, in three separate categories of our, of our life. So in the physical sense, if you're, if you're a person that struggles with anxiety, you might be classified as a nervous person, someone that is restless or tense. Like you can feel it in your body. And sometimes you can like, you can notice in another person if they're just kind of really wound up tight, there might be a person that struggles with anxiety. Anxiety has a physical component to it. And because of that stiffness or tension, you might have soreness, you might have body aches, you might have a physical, like your immune system may drop and, and be lowered, so you may get sick all the time because the anxiety causes stress, which releases cortisol, which over time, if you have cortisol in your body for a long period of time, uh, it can lower your immune system, which means you get sick more often. Now, that doesn't mean that if you get sick more often, you automatically have anxiety, like this, but it could be a possible outcome of having anxiety. Does that make sense? Holding this tension for a long period of time can actually have a negative impact on your physical health. You could often find yourself being dizzy or lightheaded. You could be nauseous, have stomach issues, um, one, one, one thing with our kids who are now like 11 and to five is sometimes they, their stomach hurts and we have to kind of figure out, uh, did you eat something wrong? Did you not eat enough? Are you dehydrated? Are you really nervous about something? Like we, we kind of factor in, is anxiety a piece of this component if you're feeling sick about something? Are you anxious about something coming up in, in your life? Uh, so it could be stomach issues. It could be a racing heart, shortness of breath. It also could cause loss of sleep. You could, you could lose sleep worrying about stuff. And we kind of know now that sleep is very important. It's an important foundation for every other kind of physical health, mental health, emotional health, like we need our sleep. And so when anxiety robs you of sleep, it has a compounding effect on your health. So that's what my, those are some of the physical symptoms of anxiety. Some of the mental symptoms would be trouble concentrating or focusing on the present because you're so worried about something coming up ahead. Um, You could be irritable. Irritability or edges. I know for me, when I have anxiety, uh, when I'm anxious about something, irritability is one of the things that pops up first. Um, I'll, I'll get short and, and frustrated with, with, with a kid, uh, with one of my kids. And uh, I, I know almost immediately it's tied to, I, I'm not even really frustrated with that kid. It's, I'm, I'm worrying about something else over here. So anxiety can show up as irritability or edginess. It also can be uh, affect your thought patterns. And so you can begin to have negative thought patterns. I mean, you can... Uh, 
I can't say this word, catastrophize? Is that the right way? Okay. You, you begin to catastrophize everything, kind of worst case scenario in your head, you begin to get worried and worked up. It creates this negative thought pattern um, that can then lead to depression. Anxiety and depression are strongly correlated. They kind of can work hand in hand with each other. Um, so that could be a mental piece is, um, as you begin to become more anxious and become more negative in your thinking, it can then lead to lower self-esteem and also depression. So anxiety has a physical toll. It also has a, a mental toll. And then lastly, there's a social impact that anxiety can have as well. You might avoid social situations because you're afraid of rejection or embarrassment. You constantly say no to things that you might just say yes to. Um, so that has an, obviously a negative social impact. You might, in relationships, struggle with trust. You might feel insecure uh, in some of your closest relationships, so you're constantly um, seeking validation, and that can create tension in that relationship. If, if you're operating out of insecurity and not trust, that can lead to a strain in that relationship. Also, if you're an if you're, if you're external worrier and you're constantly expressing your anxiety about whatever it might be, that can also cause strain on relationships, whether it's with your kids, coworkers, whatever. So anxiety can show up in a variety of ways. It can impact your physical health, your mental health, but also your social health and social relationships. Right. The next question I kind of want to tackle is, is having anxiety a sin? And if you have ignored the, the previous 10 minutes, whatever, out of the sermon, and you ignore the rest of it, I want you to like dial in and pay attention for the next two minutes. Because I think this is an important question, uh, not just for anxiety, but for sin in general and how you understand sin. So is having anxiety a sin? And I would say it depends on your definition of sin. If your definition of sin, if, if you hear the word sin and you think, this is something that God hates and hates me for, and I have shame about it, then before we even get to the question of is anxiety a sin, we need to redefine the word sin. When we talk about sin in the Bible, the, the literal word for sin means to miss the mark. And when you sin, it's not that you're doing something that God hates you for. It's you're doing something that's not in line with you living your fullest and healthiest and holiest life. Sin is not about God hating you or shaming you or you feeling a sense of shame. And I'm curious that when you, re, like when you read Genesis chapter 3, when the fall happened, and God pursues Adam and Eve, and he says, why are you hiding? When you read that, what's the tone of voice that you read that in? What tone of voice do you hear God saying, why are you hiding in? When he says, why are you naked? Who told you you were naked, right? When he says these, when, when, G, when God has this conversation with Adam and Eve, what's the tone of voice that you hear God speaking to them in? When we sin, we miss the best mark for our lives. And it's not because God has this hatred or fury towards us. It's because we're missing the mark. And when I, I think about my, as a father to my kids and, and, and they make decisions that aren't the best for them, it's not this hatred that I have for them. It's a, it could be a sadness that they're doing something that's destructive for them. And it's destructive for their sisters or the, the people around them. Sin is about missing the mark. So is anxiety a sin? In that sense, can anxiety help have you miss the mark in your own life? In some instances, yes, I think it can. And that's not to say you should be ashamed of it. It's just to understand that anxiety can rob you from the fullness of life that God 
has you has for you. When we look at mental disorders, to classify something as a disorder, like in the, in the psych- psychological world, it's when it interferes with a person's ability to think, feel, behave, or interact with others in a way that is consistent with their values, goals, and expectations. I probably should have wrote that down and put it on the screen. I'm going to say it again. When we think about like mental health, what makes something cross over the threshold to being a disorder is when it interferes with a person's ability to think, feel, behave, or interact with others in a way that is consistent with their values, goals, and expectations. In other words, when it affects the quality of your life and the quality of your relationships, it's, it, it's a disorder. I think that's a great definition for sin as well. When something is in your life and it affects your ability to think, feel, behave, or interact with others in a way consistent with your values. And if we're Christians and we follow the ways of Christ, it's when we act in a way that's inconsistent with the values and the moral ethic of Christ. It's missing the mark. And some of these symptoms of anxiety, I mentioned the physical, the mental, the social, when they are left unchecked, they can interfere with our quality of life. The issue with anxiety isn't that it disappoints God or makes God angry. It's that it robs you of your quality of life. God wants us to deal with our anxiety and our worries for our own sake, not to appease him. So how do we combat anxiety? I'm going to give uh, six quick ideas, quick hitters. Three from scripture, because this is a church. Three that are just like kind of modern ideas too. Actually, the, the scripture ideas, are, are, what's crazy about to me about the Bible is, you know, it's written 2,000 years ago and then even further. And there's things that modern science keeps finding that the, the Bible is validated for thousands of years. Like that's, there's, something, there's some ancient wisdom here that's beautiful and still true. That's great. That's, that's an assurance to the quality of scripture and the value of scripture. That the things that Paul told us or Jesus told us or David told us or Moses told us actually hold up to modern science too. So here, these few are actually what modern science would tell us as well. The first thing uh, is prayer. Modern science might call it mindfulness or gratitude. Christians would call it gratitude as well. So how do we combat anxiety? I'd say prayer, but I want to make a distinction here. Sometimes when we pray, we just pray about the topics that are in our mind. Here's the list of things I want to pray about. Here's what I want God to do. We call that like supplication. It's like topical. God, uh, heal the cancer in my grandmother, whatever it might be, something like that. Uh, So prayer might be, if it's that version of prayer, constantly saying, God, heal the cancer, heal the cancer, heal the cancer, heal the cancer. Anxiety looks like cancer, cancer, cancer. Prayer looks like, prayer in that sense looks like cancer, cancer, cancer. Like that kind of prayer could actually make your anxiety worse because you're spending time ruminating on the negative thing. Does that make sense? So our p- prayer has a lot of different variations. And if you're a person that struggles with anxiety, it might not do you well to just constantly ruminate on the thing causing you anxiety and call it prayer, right? What Paul says, <laughs> conversely, in, in, at the end of Philippians, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything give thanks. So when you pray, have a prayer of thanksgiving and gratitude. And then he goes on to say this really beautiful passage. He says, whatever is beautiful, whatever is lovely, good, pure, true, all these things, think about these things, ruminate on these things. So he first off says, do not be anxious. Okay, Paul, great. Easier said than done, right? But then he gives us like some strategies for that. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything give thanks. And focus your mind's energy and attention on good, beautiful things 
And then he goes on to say, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will be upon you. So do not be anxious and everything you thanks. gives us this list. So prayer can actually be anxiety with God on top of it. Um, but, but Paul says, don't do that. Instead, have gratitude and, and thanksgiving. Uh, the second thing I would say is be anchor yourself to the present, which is what Jesus says. Which of you, by worrying, can add an hour to your life? And I tell you, instead of worrying about the things that, might, that could happen tomorrow, focus on the problems of today. Jesus doesn't say there's not going to be any problems. Is that there's nothing to worry about or nothing to think about or, or no, no struggles to wrestle with. He's saying, you've got enough of those today. Deal with those today. And whatever might happen tomorrow, deal with those tomorrow. Stay anchored in the present and not be dragged or distracted or pulled apart into the future. Thirdly, I'd say find support. Paul says this in Galatians, we should bear uh, uh, with one another all things. We should support each other. Now, the church can be a great place um, to, to help with anxiety. It also can be a great place to multiply our anxiety. It depends on the culture of the church. Um, I grew up Southern Baptist, hardcore Southern Baptist. That place made me so anxious. Like I was ordained minister and in some services that I was like, I got to get saved again. Like I'm so scared right now. <laughs> some churches, not just Southern Baptist, other churches too, and not all Southern Baptist churches, disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Some churches can multiply your anxiety, but others can be a place where you find support and you're reminded as a group that it's not just about your life. There's a community here that all has lives going on together and that we're in this and that we're trusting in the goodness of God, right? So find support. I would say with that, I think I say this every sermon now, if you need to find a therapist, a therapist can be a great support, uh, especially if they are well-trained in the topic and issue of anxiety, they can help you. So find a therapist, find a church that feels non-anxious to you, that feels supportive, um, but find support. I encourage you to do that. Uh, the last three, create a worry period. All that means is like, if you're a person that just, you feel like you struggle with anxiety or worry all the time, be like, all right, from 4 to 5 p.m., I'm going to worry like crazy. And I'm going to pull out my journal, and I'm going to write all my worries down, and then I'm going to lock them up and move on. And whenever a worry tries to come up again, I'm like, nope, I'll see you tomorrow at 4. I'll worry then, right? You can find a time that, that could work for that. Um, next point, challenge your avoidance behaviors. Anxiety can lead us to just say no to a lot of social events, especially for me as, as relatively as an introvert. I have found that every time I overcome that initial resistance to the social event and go, I generally speaking have a great time. It is always, often, often, it's often a good time. And I'm glad that I went to the thing. So challenge your avoidance behaviors. And in the, in the psychology world, they would call that like exposure therapy. Uh, expose yourselves to things that you're afraid of. And, and eventually over time, you'll, you'll be able to minimize those fears. Uh, and the last thing, limit yourself to the news and social media. If you go to Don's Noodle Garden, Face away from that TV. It's like nine channels of just chaos. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. It's like a Avengers movie going on in here. Um, we live in an anxious culture. I mean, in America for sure, globally for sure. And the church can either add to that or, or subtract from that. I think there's so many changes going on in the world. And, and for any pastor that went through COVID, that was such a brutal time. It was really hard because there's a lot of anxiety from everywhere. And in the, in, in the church, in, in the, uh, the aspect of the church community, the pastor was constantly being asked, 
Are we having services? Are we in person? Are we online? Like there's all this kind of stuff going on. That, and it, all the information was constantly changing. And almost every career field that's in here felt that in some way. There was an anxiety just ramp up globally. And when people get afraid and get anxious, they tighten up, they get defensive, they develop a scarcity mindset. And when you get defensive, you get combative as well. And there's a real challenge for churches now as the attendance is declining globally, as there's, in Methodist churches, the, the, you know, there's a division, uh, or separate whatever word you want to use there. I'm not, Matt can talk about that, whatever word he wants to use later. There's tension constantly in the Methodist church over decisions being made. There's anxiety. And when you're anxious, you get defensive and then you get protective. And we're not our best selves when we're defensive. We're not our best selves when we are in a scarcity mindset. And so the body of Christ has an opportunity in a highly anxious world to be at peace, to be a non-anxious presence as a community, and to help people. That doesn't mean that we don't struggle as individuals in this room. One in three, the odds are, one in three of us in this room struggle with anxiety in a big way. And it doesn't mean that you don't have space to struggle with that. But it means as a community, we, 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 we take a posture of openness and generosity we don't get drug into the defensive scarcity mindset that, that the world might want to pull us into. So I encourage you guys to, to wrestle with that. What does it look like as an individual uh, to, to go toe-to-toe with anxiety? What does it look like as a community uh, of Asbury to be a non-anxious community? What does it look like in your workplace to show up as a non-anxious presence when people want to show up and kind of... Anxiety is contagious, like it spreads, it, you get revved up, your blood pressure goes up with, with other people's anxiety. What does it look like to kind of help regulate that and be a non-anxious presence? The next few weeks, we're going to look at, this is a big broad overview of what anxiety is. The next couple of weeks, we'll look at some specific ways it shows up. Um, but thank you guys for coming. Let's pray.